the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. We have two passages of scriptures we're going to read today. One is in Matthew chapter 6, verses 26 to 29. And the cross-reference is 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 to 32. These two passages, Lord's table, Holy Communion, the Lord's Supper. And that's what we're going to talk about. We cannot overemphasize the, the significance and the centrality of the Lord's Supper as an ordinance. We only practice two ordinances in the church. The ordinance of water baptism and the ordinance of Holy Communion or the Lord's Supper. These are two of the most sacred ordinances that we practice as Christians for over 2,000 years. And so I cannot take the risk of, of not being able to remind people of what this means. I cannot overemphasize the significance of, of the Lord's Supper. So uh, indulge me for just a few minutes to go back to scriptures and to relate to each and every one of us the high significance, the high importance, and the high sacredness of what it means to celebrate. And I underscore celebrate Holy Communion. These are the words of scriptures in Matthew 6, 26 to 29. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup, gave thanks, and offered it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on, until that day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. So many people come, you know, to communion, and we practice this, we celebrate this uh, once a month. And yet, there are still those who do not fully appreciate why we do this on a regular basis. This is not only an order, direct commandment from the Lord Jesus himself and it's full of uh, it's full of power in terms of why we believe as we believe it's full of significance in terms of why we practice this on a regular basis as a church these are the words of paul emphasizing the same significance in first corinthians chapter 11 verses 23 to 32 he said, for I received from the Lord what is also passed on to you. It's been being passed on for the last 2,020 years. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat 
this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. A man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. So the Lord means business when it comes to not only celebrating the Holy Communion, the Lord's Supper, but also understanding its significance. Serious about us observing this most holy ordinance. And that's why we're going to keep on uh, teaching on this and preaching on this until Jesus comes back. Jesus says, I will not have this supper with you again until I am with you in the kingdom of God that is to come. So this is a very, very serious command a very serious ordinance uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ. So how do we honor it? How do we celebrate it? We honor the Lord's Supper when we understand and respond properly and intelligently uh, to what Jesus was speaking about. So we're going we're gonna to explore what it means uh, uh, to partake of the communion of the table of the Lord. We just sang about it. Okay, what do we need to understand and, and why do we need to understand and practice these things? Four things uh, this morning, okay, that we need to, to understand, you know, kind of process in our hearts and, and make this as a framework to why you believe as a Christian. Number one, Holy Communion, the Lord's Supper, okay, is a commemoration of Christ. That's first and foremost. It's a commemoration. Jesus says, this is my represented by the bread, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When we commemorate something, it's something that we are always putting in our minds. We're reminding ourselves every time we partake of communion, we are reminding ourselves of who Jesus is and what he did. In this case, we remember the Lord's the Lord's suffering. Why is that important? Because it solidifies for us the idea that Jesus really did suffer as a human being just like you and I. That our salvation is rooted in the suffering of Jesus that he endured on the cross. And still so many today, uh, they're, they're in, in this mode of thinking that, hey, as Christians, you know, uh, suffering should not be part uh, <laughs> of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. But, but the Lord's Supper is a reminder to us that Jesus himself suffered as a, as a human being, as a man. He suffered in his physical body. And again, let me emphasize that because a lot of people uh, think that Jesus as a human being had some advantages. No, he did not. He was fully man, but he was also fully God. And that's not an advantage because he did not have to suffer <laughs> if he didn't want to. 
but he willingly suffered in the body as a human being. That's central to Christianity, that Jesus put on, you know, human flesh. And he suffered just as um, a regular human being. And as a follower of Jesus, we need to be reminded that we need to reflect that. In fact, in Romans chapter 12, a, a, a passage of scriptures that we all probably need to memorize speaks of that. When Paul wrote, Therefore, brethren, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable and acceptable act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be renewed by the transformation of your mind so that you can know God's good, pleasing, and perfect will. So there's something about God revealing to us more and more of himself as we recognize that there are things in this life that we will have to go through in order to catch that treasure, the treasure of knowing God's will. Suffering is unavoidable in the Christian's life. There's always a price to pay, and, and we, we, we can't avoid that. We can't continue on thinking that being a follower of Jesus is a, uh, you know, it's an easy kind of a, a life. It just isn't true. You're paying the price today <laughs> for being, you know, in a worship service. You know, there's some risk in being here this morning. We're not only risking the fact that, hey, maybe someone here is infected. Well, we pray that we're not, okay? We're also risking uh, the fact that, you know, I mean, people might have a problem <laughs> with, with seeing people assembling this way. But nevertheless, our allegiance is to our faith in Jesus first. I mean, that's just what we are. That's who we are. That's part of our DNA. Okay? There, there is a stewardship of the body that, that, that we, need to, we need to understand. This body needs to be taken care of. Like just like Jesus took care of his own body so that it becomes a pleasing sacrifice to God. What does that mean? It means we don't defile ourselves. We don't engage in, in physical activity that defiles our bodies. And why is that significant? Is it just because God was trying to in enforce some rules, say don't drink, don't smoke, don't engage in this, don't engage in that? No, it has nothing to do with that. Jesus took care of his body because he was going to be offered as a perfect sacrifice. Now, we're never going to be a perfect sacrifice on our own, but we are to reflect the stewardship of that body. We are to reflect what Jesus has done. I mean, you know, we're fallen people. We're, we're rotting. Uh, you know, we're going to lose our, you know, strength. We're going we're gonna to get sick. Eventually, we're all going to die. But that's not an excuse not to reflect what Jesus has done, and that is he took care of his body because he was going to be a perfect sacrifice to the Lord. And... He endured the suffering while at the same time honoring and being a good steward of his body. So when, when you hear preacher says, you know, don't do this, don't do that, please don't, don't, don't get mad on the preacher. He's not trying to tell you to follow some rules and regulations so you can be religious fanatics. That's not the point. The point is we do take care of ourselves so that we can offer ourselves to God, you know, without the consciousness of guilt because we know we're reflecting Jesus. You know, in the Old Testament, 
suffering is a sign um, that that God's you know um, you know God's indictment, God's punishment is on people. That's the Old Testament. Remember the story of Job when when Job the Bible says was blameless. He didn't he didn't have any overt sin against God. He did not you know defile God, and yet he suffered. And his friends, one after another, including his wife, started accusing him. There must be something in your life that you have done. You must be messing up so bad. You must, there must be a sin in your life that, that, uh, that's causing you to go through this, this suffering. And Job was saying, you know what? I've been thinking about it. I've been, I've been looking at my life. I've been trying to find certain things. And I just couldn't find it. And I still don't know why I'm suffering. But, but, but people in the Old Testament, by virtue of the law, they're saying that if you're suffering, there must be something wrong in you. There must be something that you're doing that, that's messing up your life. But that's the Old Testament. But Jesus gave us a better covenant. Suffering right now in Christ is a way of being perfected. It's a way of being refined. It's a way of being molded into the likeness of Jesus. And that's why we partake of this communion. We want to reflect the suffering of Jesus because that suffering is for our perfection. Not for us, not sinless perfection, but a molding of ourselves so that we can be an aroma to God. That we can be pleasing to God. That God will accept our worship. That God will accept our praises. How many of you know, you know, when you, you can praise God, you know, in here, but how do you know that God is accepting the worship? <laughs> we just sang a bunch of songs and lifted up our hands. How can we be certain that that worship is an aroma to God? And this is a simple way to know. We keep short accounts with God. We keep short accounts with God. I am a world-class repenter. I repent as often as I can think of it. Not because, you know, I willfully, you know, go out of my way to offend God or anybody else, but it's human nature to simply, you know, to simply do things that, you know, sometimes, you know, yeah, I mean, I, I, I didn't mean to do that. <laughs> or sometimes I meant to do it. But God gave us provisions through the sacrifice of Jesus that I can actually... Repent every two minutes if I want to. You know what God does? Tosses, tosses the offense because of the suffering of Jesus. Not because of you. Not because of me. Not because we're something great. But because we put our faith in Jesus. And that's the power of this, this sacrifice that Jesus has given. Romans 8.17 says, Now if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Every suffering that we go through can be used as a purifying uh, event to conform us more and more to the glorious image of the Lord Jesus Christ. So in the Old Testament, we, 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 we know that Jesus' suffering, uh, I mean, I, I, the suffering was a punishment, but in the suffering of Jesus, what do we remember? And what do we, what do we need to know about that suffering? Uh, there's three aspects of it. We remember 
and share three areas of the suffering of Jesus. Number one, his sorrow. We, when we suffer, we are sharing the sorrow that Jesus endured while he was here on earth. 2 Corinthians 7.10 says, Godly sorrow brings what? Repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. So there are two types of sorrows. One, you sorrow because you're sorry about what's going on in the world. But there's a, another type of sorrow, a sorrow that you see inside yourself, that I see inside myself, that brings me to a helpless and hopeless uh, demeanor before the presence of God that causes me to repent. You know, godly sorrow brings repentance. You know, if you're a child of God, um, sin is, is not something that you're happy about. It just isn't the case. You're not happy about it, you know. Uh, when b before, I, uh, before I became a Christian, and I shared this many times, you know, sinning is not a matter of, uh, it's not an issue with me because I didn't know anything any better, you know. To me, I just felt like doing the things that feels good to me, that feels natural to me. But then again, the Spirit of God comes in, and there's that conviction that every time we sin, there's sorrow involved. You know, there's sorrow. And that sorrow is a sign of repentance for the child of God. If there's no, no more sorrow um, with sin, I mean, we're, we're doomed. You know what's going on in our world today? I mean, I was just talking to some of you about this. You know, all of the, all of the, 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 the violence, the shootings now in the big cities, the demonstration, all of the burning of buildings and all of these things. What is it, what is it showing us? It shows, at, at least to me, you don't have to share my views on this, but at least to me, it's showing me that there are people who don't really recognize that human beings are capable of doing evil things. You know, if you listen to what quote-unquote experts are saying, they're saying, you know, the reason why somebody murders somebody was because they're a victim of something. You hear that? You know, there's always a reason why somebody looted that store or somebody burned that building. And the reason why they were driven into doing it was because they're a victim of someone or something. Perhaps their family background, their upbringing, their economic status. And we come up with all kinds of reasons why these this atrocious things have been Here's what scripture says. Jesus says he never entrusted himself to human beings because the heart of man is desperately wicked and sinful. We are capable of doing bad things without rhyme or reason because we're fallen. That's why we needed a savior, a savior who will take care of that very sin nature that we're capable of, of doing, of becoming. And that's the power of this communion that we are experiencing. You know, Jesus had sorrow. The sorrow involved, you know, his heart of love for the people of God. Secondly, we remember his shame. He endured our shame. Uh, in Genesis 3.21, when Adam and Eve had sinned, God has to kill an animal Take the skin of the animal and clothe Adam and Eve to cover what? To cover their shame. Because sin is shameful. And you know that's what Jesus did on the cross. 
he just, he, you know, he just didn't pay <laughs> for the sin. He covered it. He covered it. There's a covering that took place. He humbled himself and died for us. And how do we respond to that? When we come to the Lord's table, we remember that the Lord of the universe was put to shame for you and for me. Here's a scripture uh, uh, for you. Uh, brothers, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many of you were influential. Not many of you were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. So the shame that we're supposed to pay for, Jesus covered on the cross. And thirdly, the sacrifice. Paul says in Ephesians 5, 1 to 2, Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. You know, as Christians, um, there's this place of security, okay, that we have for our salvation. A place of security when in, in terms of God's participation and fellowship with us. But that place of security is not necessarily a place of safety. Okay? We are just as vulnerable to this virus as a person who's not a Christian. Okay? Everybody. We're, 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 we're not, we have not been removed from the problems that humanity is facing. And I just want us to be clear about that. You know, security as believers, the security that we have has nothing to do with whether we were safe or not. Safety and security are two different things. I'm secured because Jesus has my life. You're secured because sec Jesus secures your life. When and if you die, you are in God's hands. Whereas when you and I die outside of God's hand, there's no security. You can be the safe, you could live a safe life throughout your life and die and go to an eternally separated state from God and not have that security taken away from you. And that security will be gone. So safety and security are dif two different things. I hear preachers tell, say all the time that the safest place you can be is at the center of God's will. You know, I've said this many times. But that isn't true. The most difficult place we could ever be is at the center of God's will. Sometimes there's more trouble being in uh, you know, in the will of God <laughs> than, than it is when you're outside the will of God, you know. Some people are saying, well, you know, why do missionaries get themselves killed out there in the field? It's because their security doesn't rest on the things uh, of this world. Their security is with the Lord. And safety is not guaranteed. But I'd rather have security than you know, look for safety all the time. We got we to gotta take risks. You know, faith has to take risks. You know, faith has to take risks. And the reason why we can take risks is because we're secured in the Lord. Okay? Sometimes the most uncomfortable place is at the center of God's will. Because all suffering, loved ones, is a molding. We're being perfected. We're being conformed the image and likeness of Jesus. And we can't accomplish it without going through the fires of suffering. You know, how many of you like fish? I love fish. 
right? But you know what? I hate the smell of fish. I love it, but before I could eat it, it has to be either deep fried or grilled. You know, when you start deep frying a fish, you can start smelling that thing. Why? Because now the real flavor, the real appetizing thing about the fish is because it's gone through the fire. And the same thing with us, you know? <laughs> you know, God, God cannot smell us unless we're cooked. Right? God doesn't want to smell us raw. We stink when we're raw. We got to get burned, right? We got to get fried, okay? That, this is not a very, very uplifting thing to say. But at the end of the day, loved ones, okay, it's better to be a, an aroma to God's, to God's presence. 